With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, man. I I know everybody has a different opinion on on the Jalen Ramsey trade. All right, let's do this. Let's start with some intros before we get too deep into it. I'm at 3K underscore. We got Robbo, Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Robbo? Mm, little news. Little news we got, today. We got Joey the Jerk at Edley Rams Rams Rams. We have a full crew again. The gang's all here. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm pushing that panic button so hard that it broke. <laughs> so I'm having a panic about my panic button breaking. What is the right scale here? Do we want to do zero to 10? Do we want to do one out of five less needs? Do we want to do <laughs> how, how many less need hairs do you give this? What's, what's the right scale that we want to go with? You mean like, like how red is less needs nose? I give it 4.5 Marcus Peters crutch grabs. That's awesome. I give it uh, eight out of ten water chickens. I'm a solid three and a half less needed pomades. Uh, if people missed what happened uh, on this wonderful day of news, the Rams were quite active. They started by trading a day three pick in the 2020 draft for Cleveland Browns offensive lineman Austin Corbett, who you may remember not too long ago was the 33rd overall pick in the draft, but had fallen behind in their pecking order. And with uh, the recent injury to Joseph Noteboom, who the Rams are going to be without for the entirety of the season and the form that Jamil Demby has been in, I think they were motivated to get them themselves another option. We'll see where Corbett uh, falls in the pecking order for week seven at Atlanta, whether he's... We even have a pecking order of Austins. That's true. Is he, is he the number two of the offensive lineman named Austin? Corbett or Blythe? Well, maybe. I mean, will he even be active? He's just now joining the team. Obviously, he's going to be able to get there with the full practice week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What kind of a lineup do they want? Who, who's going to play left guard? Is it going to be Jamil Demby, or would they rather have Blythe? I, I think it's one of these things where they got some stuff to work out. Uh, not long after, there was news that the Rams had traded Marcus Peters to the Baltimore Ravens, which, given the fact that Aqib Tlaib is now on the injured reserve designated to return list, which means he's going to be gone for about two months at minimum. Uh, the Rams traded Marcus Peters to Baltimore Ravens. They got back um, a 2025th round pick, which replaces the 2025th round pick that they included in the trade terms for Don. But they also got linebacker Kenny Young, who Robbo and other fans might be aware of. Yeah, speedy little. I, I call him the Corey Littleton replacement because that's kind of what he does, right? He's he's uh, he's not a big dude. He's not a big thumper, but he he can range. He can he can cover backs and tight ends. Uh, and what college did he go to, Robbo? 
he he went to the UCLA Bruins. He was a he was a uh, Jim Mora uh, linebacker. You have uh, Anthony Barr, you have Kendricks, and you and you have Mr. Young. And it seemed like that was enough Boom. news for one day. That was all the news. Yeah, that's that, a solid. Day. That was all the news we could handle. Nope. Yeah, let's close it up, gentlemen. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Falcons game. There's nothing else to report. <laughs> right. And then Les Snead walked through the door. The Rams made a trade for Jacksonville Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey, one of the best young corners, maybe the best young cornerback in the class, and a 2020 first round pick, our 2021 first round pick, and a 2021 fourth round pick. That's 14 roster years, all wrapped up in one nice little package for one and a half years of Jalen Ramsey, whose contract ends after the 2020 season. Uh, I don't know where to start because this move is such a um, it, I, I put that it's the biggest gamble, but it's it's different than like a gamble because we know how good Jalen Ramsey is. It's 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 a very 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 costly move, which means it has to provide commensurate value, and the only way to do that is if Ramsey balls out. Robo, let's start with you. How comfortable are you with the idea of Jalen Ramsey coming on board, given how much the Rams had to give up for just a year and a half of his services? How comfortable? Are we looking for a number? It can be the less need pomade. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're talking comfort and five is uh, I'm in the Barca lounger with, with a fruity drink on my feet up and a one of the pomade is, uh, you know, I'm looking through the couch cushions for change to find a bus fare to get somewhere. I'm I'm kind of like a, like a one and a half on the pomade. I mean, you got to love the player. You have to love the skill set. I mean, there's no doubt that they got themselves – I think they got themselves the guy who they were hoping they were getting with Marcus Peters, right? You got me playing more man with him, but not so much zone. Marcus is more of a, a freelancing guy; it just didn't, it just didn't really mesh. So the skill set there is, is outstanding. Uh, but the fact that they've been just given—they by the time this thing's over, they will not have drafted in the first round for five consecutive years, and that is hard, hard to do. And think think about the roster time. We talk about roster timeline. Right. Your 2021 yep. first round pick, you have cost controlled 21, 22, 23, 24, and a fifth round option for 2025. Jalen Ramsey's contract ends after 2020 versus a guy you would have had for another five years. This makes them, I, I tweeted earlier today, this makes them so top heavy that I hope you like Jared Goff, Aaron Donald, uh, Woods, Gurley. Uh, who else is on the uh, Higgs and Havenstein? I hope you like those like five or six guys, because the rest of your roster is set up to look very XFL-ish. You're not going to know who any of them are, because there's not a lot of cap out there. I think they have like 30 million before draft picks uh, looking at it next year with 19 free agents. You got you're looking at like a bunch of two million dollar players, and that's that's before they do anything with Ramsey or Cooper Cup, who's not on the roster after 2021. I mean, there's a number of John Johnson, a number of guys who are contributors now and fan favorites who are, are coming up and they might not have the cash to do it. Now we could talk about this later, but they've, they've also shown an, a really innate ability to get out from their own bad contracts. Tavon yes. Austin, Alec Ogletree. Yeah. So we'll see. What'd you think, Joey? My big question is the fact that, Jalen Ramsey was disgruntled with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and maybe because he just didn't want to play in Jacksonville, but he was upset that he wasn't getting a, an extension. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. So he still has that problem. He, that issue has not been alleviated for Jalen Ramsey. So he's being you know, sent over to Los Angeles to play for the Rams, and we're supposed to assume 
that this year and a half that we're speaking about is going to be smooth sailing and he's going to be totally fine. And then if we don't sign him, he's going to play at a at an optimum level and then just what go to another team. I mean, that just seems like that's not going to happen. It it feels like if you if you know anything about Les Snead and the Rams these days, is it feels like they figure out a way to to pay the guys that they want to pay. And this feels like a Brandon Cook situation, which is they sacrifice a um a lot in the draft to get his services and then know that for them to to do that, to sacrifice those picks, they're going to have to pay him on the contract. Now, I don't know exactly how they're going to pay for Jalen Ramsey because he's going to be very expensive. However, right now, Akib Talib is not coming back. Obviously, Marcus Peters is gone. So there's really no one left in the cornerback situation to really kind of pay. And it seems like they've made the decision that they're going to pay Jalen Ramsey. And this is not a year and a half situation. So right now, maybe the, the numbers don't work, but it feels like in the front office, the Rams have made the decision that part of their future is going to include Jalen Ramsey. And this isn't a short-term deal. Otherwise, why would you pay two first-round draft picks and the fourth-round pick? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does, definitely doesn't line up for a year and a half. I think part of the frustration from Ramsey's side along with the contract was that he wasn't getting used the right way. And I think there was a bit of a similar fit issue with Marcus Peters under Wade Phillips that I think they were looking to rectify. I think the difference is, like you mentioned, the cost, right? Jalen Ramsey is going to require a contract extension. And if the Rams give it to him, he's going to be the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. So you're not getting value for him the way you were with Marcus Peters who was on a rookie deal mm-hmm. or for so many years, Trumaine Johnson and Janoris Jenkins were on their rookie deals. Um, now the Rams have essentially committed to his fifth year uh, option next year, um, which isn't uh, all that pricey, um, all things considered because of what's coming after it once they pay him uh, a future contract extension because his fifth year only pay team seven, so almost $14 million, and he's going to get north of 15 uh, easily. Um when he gets his extension, which means that they're going to be, like you mentioned, Robbo, paying a ton of money to the top of this roster with a ton of guys they have up on expiring deals that I, I'm not sure – you can't sign all of them. I threw out the list initially of the 2020 uh, free agents, and a lot of people were like, well, I'd get these three, four, five guys maybe. And the answer is you can't. You can't get that many. Here's what we have coming up. As uh, unrestricted free agents, um, you got uh, Andrew Whitworth, no. Dante Fowler Jr. because he's on his one-year deal. Michael Brockers, Akib Talib, uh, Corey Littleton, Greg Zerline, backup quarterback Blake Bortles, Bryce Hager, Marky Christian, Mike Thomas, and Austin Blythe are all unrestricted free agents. Um, they're gone. Eight yeah, they're gone. You just kind and, of and, and to make things, you know, if if you look towards twenty twenty one. Um, when uh, Ramsey is scheduled to be a free agent, it, it, it gets even starker. You've got obviously Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews who are here on their two-year deals, Nikel Roby Coleman, uh, Malcolm Brown, and then you've got the uh, draft picks, Gerald Everett, <clears throat> Cooper Cup, John Johnson, Josh Reynolds, Samson Abukam, uh, Tanzel Smart, and even our long snapper, snapper Jake McQuaid. Um, it's gonna, the Rams are going to have difficult decisions coming up. Now, one of the things that Can I offer you a wild card? Please do. 
the CBA yep. is up after this year. Right? That's exactly what and I was going to mention. No idea yeah. what's going to happen. It's like the wild, wild west. Are they going to wild, wild west? Someone tweeted this earlier. I saw that. I, I should give someone credit for it. But you, I think Stephen Spade, friend of the show, uh, great guy. You need to be a big fan of the players in this situation and hope that they get a huge bump in the in the in the cap. Yeah, and the, the thing is, I, I just don't know what the CBA is going to do, and I don't know how it's going to affect things. I know people are expecting certain stuff. I don't know why, because um, we'll see. Are we going to keep? Are we going to include franchise tags and fifth year options? Is the salary cap going to grow the same amount? Are we going to, yeah. you know, keep the same structure for rookies that we have? Remember, the last CBA was the one that paid uh, not only Sam Bradford, but but paid Jason Smith. Right, Sam Bradford made it through that contract. The Rams, remember, traded Jason Smith on his rookie deal, where he was getting, I think, sixty million dollars, if I remember correctly. Um, it's I know, but that's that's what the Rams are up against now. Uh, is this structure where you've got first round picks that provide you so much benefit from keeping them cheap, and the Rams just aren't going to have that. They don't have the first round picks to use in the first place, and obviously they're not going to have many guys on those rookie contracts moving forward outside of the guys that they're getting third, fourth, fifth round, and of course the problem is um, what we're seeing on the offensive line is that you know your third, fourth, fifth round picks may not be as reliable as you hope for them to be in year two when you start playing them all at the same time. We'll see. It's it's an interesting setup. What, what do you guys expect from Ramsey? It, it, is he allowed to have a couple weeks to integrate into the team? We're, we're already at three and three. The Rams are up against it, where they've got to get these two wins against Atlanta and Cincinnati before the bye. How does Ramsey have to contribute? Does he just have to look okay while he's getting his feet, you know, settled underneath him with this team and in Wade Phillips' defense, or do you do you kind of demand that he show up and immediately validate this deal? I would say that that a learning curve is to be expected and i think that's going to be fine i think right now we're in a situation where the expectations on the teams have shifted significantly so it's no longer must win games right now i mean technically yes they are must win games but it has to be a team that can get to the level of must win and we can't even get first downs on on third down so right now we're we're must convert third down situations rather Does than trying Jaylen to get to Ramsey Super- need to play wide receiver. Is that what we need? Does he or, ne- immediately or, or need like that? right tackle maybe? <laughs> yeah, right guard, left guard, center. With all this talk about the cornerback, I'm just thinking, why don't we try to fix Rob Havenstein? That's what I'm really worried about. But yeah, back to Ramsey. He's great. He's awesome. He has an attitude, but I think a top elite cornerback does have an attitude. They've always had. It's similar to a top wide receiver, which randomly we have amazing receivers. And I don't think either, none of the three are really your typical Ocho Cinco divas. Oh, that, but, that um, Cooper Cup. We, we had it with Marcus that Peters. Damn and, and then now we got- <laughs> it's always me, me, me with that exactly. guy. <laughs> I am from Eastern Washington. Yeah. So we're going to get it with Jalen Ramsey, though. We're just switching it out with whatever crap we got from Peters. Now we're going to get from Ramsey, right? What do you think, Robbo? What, 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 are you, what are you demanding? Not necessarily expecting, but what do you want to see from Jalen Ramsey these next few games? I'm interested. Well, I'm really interested to see how Wade's going to change his defense, but it's, we're, looking, we're looking to get away from that zone into more of a man thing. But 
you can go out there with Jalen while he gets his feet with the Rams. I mean, if you can play man, you let him play man. There's not not a lot of scheme you got to do if you're, you're you're saying you know what, just man up. So why don't you why don't you make it easier for him? You man up on their second best wide receiver and you bracket Julio. You take Julio away by bracketing him with two guys and you let Jalen man up on whoever the number two is at the time. And then you have NRC in the slot. At the big thing I'm really worried about is the injury that's sitting out there that we don't know what the extent is with John Johnson for this I'm game. supposed to get a second opinion today, but we didn't hear anything. We'll find out. We'll find out in the next couple of days what that is, but we might not even have John Johnson back there. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to actually have coming into this game. Um, and as we mentioned before, can he play offensive line? Um, the, you know, it, it's this is a tough one. Uh, this is this is a tough one. But I think he, he's also been hurt, right? His back has been pro- a problem. And, and, and he well, I don't know. So how much of that was BS? I don't know. I think if you've seen Twitter tonight, you, you've seen uh, a lot of memes out there where like people are throwing their tr- crutches away, and it's like Jillian Ramsey looking <laughs> his way to the airport, or you know the cast comes off and he jumps up, that kind of thing. Um, I think they're probably expecting him to play. I mean, he's, he he's, he was just upgraded to probable from from doubtful to probable. So, but he he he's gonna have to he's gonna have to he's gonna have to do what he does. He doesn't have to be a superstar, no picks, whatever. But he's going to have to contribute in a big way because Akeem Talib is gone, Peters is gone, so it's 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 him and, and Troy Hill right now, and Eric Weddle and who is at the other safety spot with Taylor Rapp maybe or Marky Christian, uh, they they can't boot this game. They're, they have because of what they've done the last three weeks, they've got no wiggle room and they they can't boot this game. So he's going to have to come in and and make a, a bit of an impact. Maybe not a huge splash, but he's he can't be. He can't be a problem. I'll, I'll go. He can't be a problem. I'll go further than they can't boot this game. Do they kind of need to look good, right? This is a this is a team that's been all over the place offensively and defensively. And you know, I wrote at the beginning of the week the biggest issue is their identity because they're just not in sync. Where week four against Tampa, we're throwing the ball sixty-eight times, five hundred yards, and all the other stuff. Then two weeks later, we had the San Francisco. This is this is a setup where they need to get clicking because Atlanta's just a mess. And I, I get it. We've got some chemistry issues because some of these trades that we've got the last couple of days. Um, but I feel like these are the games where they need to get right and look right. Let me let me ask you this, Joey. How do you how do you feel about or both, Joey? You take Austin Corbett, Bravo. You can take your boy. Let's start with Joey. Do do you expect to see Corbett? Do, you, do is is this something where you think they're just going to add him and work him into the background and try to see? Okay, is is he looking in practice better than Jamil Demby? He may not know the offense as well and may not know stuff, but is is he going to go right into the game? I th- it's it's an interesting situation. What are you thinking on Corbett? Well, I think you have to look at what he was doing in Cleveland. Not much because. I think that that's what gives you pause, right? Yeah. I mean, this isn't a guy that was, you know, functioning at a high level with the Browns. I mean, was he even starting regularly? Nope. No. I mean, he, he if he was expendable, I mean, you don't trade an offensive lineman in the middle of the season when you're competitive. And I think just by that fact, it just shows you like, you know what? Traded a fifth round pick for a guy that the Browns were willing to get rid of. And they're a team that has Greg Robinson as their left tackle. So they don't have an embarrassment of riches over there with their offensive line. You know what I'm talking about? So, And Eric Cush. Right. 
So just looking at like that, I mean, I'm not expecting the new version of Andrew Whitworth to walk through the doors by the name of Austin Corbett. He's a guy. He's just a big fat dude, just like a lot of offensive linemen. And hopefully he'll fit in with the team. And maybe in a couple weeks, I would hope that he could crack the starting lineup and play alongside Brian Allen, Austin Blythe, Whitworth, and Havenstein. And did I, is that five or is that four? I don't know, man. We're fucked. In a better situation on the defensive side of the ball with uh, Kenny Young, what do you what do you think, Robbo? We we've got a bit of a log jam here. Bryce Hager was back healthy this week, and he's I don't, has he been replaced by Troy yeah, Reader? Yeah. I don't know what's going on, and it, there's a, there's some funkiness there. Yeah, maybe if that's I the case, so. how do how do they work in Kenny? Do they work him in? I don't know that they really work him in other than special teams, right? Give him some give him some snaps there, maybe see what they can do. I think when they move Peters, they're like, all right, what do we get in return? Uh, they got what a, what they got a fifth. What they got, they got a fifth back for Peters and Kenny Young, right? Fifth. And so it's like, all right, we need a player, which is a, a bit funky because we would have gotten a comp pick right. for him when we didn't resign him, which would have been a third or fourth round pick in 2021. Instead, you fast forward that to 2020, but you lose a couple rounds right. off so, it, so it's a 2025. So you get the fifth, but you get a player that they weren't enamored with either. Uh, he came in, uh, they coming into the season he battled for the, the Lambicker job he was replaced he was he lost that job to a guy they signed up the street um but he's he's fast he's explosive and i think he's i, I still think he's courted little little to insurance uh, i think troy reader has played well enough to keep playing there uh which is why i think bryce hager's on the sideline it's like hey if you look at him this week he was he was uh one of the catalysts for stopping that run Get something like eleven tackles. Uh, Littleton was as active as well. I mean, their 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 defense played well against the best rushing team in the, in the league. So, I don't know that he's going to come in and, and demand playing time right away. He might he might get a shot as it goes on, but right now I think you're looking at a guy who is a potential Littleton replacement next year because he plays the same mold. He's a smaller guy. He's fast. He's I mean he's he is fast. A linebacker with speed uh, has better ball skills than Corey as we saw dropping mm. the pick six. And so I don't, I'm not I'm not looking for him to come in and, and make an impact right away. I, I, I'm not even, I'll be surprised if he does anything more than special teams. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Both Young and Corbett are signed through 2021, so we've got them for two and a half years. The interesting thing with Young is he's getting in this crowded room where obviously the last three weeks have shown us there's not a lot of certainty here. You got Corey Littleton, who's going to, scheduled to be a free agent this offseason, uh, Micah Kaiser, who's missing the entire season due to injury. Mm-hmm. Bryce Hager, who's going to be a free agent that might have been replaced by a rookie UDFA in Troy Reader, and now Kenny Young. That's a that's an interesting group moving into 2020 and one that I, I think I'd say this. Maybe you don't need to spend a ton of draft capital there because the Rams aren't going to have much moving forward. 
Uh, and especially when you look at some other roster gaps, I don't think inside linebacker is going to be one that's going to attract much attention. But that's a fun little group. I'm, I'm interested to see how they shake out over the next couple of games. Uh, if Reader continues to play there next to Corey Littleton and what they look like, because it's, it's low cost. It's the opposite of Jalen Ramsey, right? This is a low cost group. If they do anything near adequacy, that's great. Mm-hmm. Who remind me, where did Corey Littleton come from? How was he obtained? Undrafted free UDFA. UDFA out of Washington. UDFA. Yeah. I mean, so, and he's turned into a guy who people potentially are saying they need to keep him. He's he's become an impact yeah. player for them on defense. So it's possible that these things happen, but they're going to need a lot more of those to happen because of the top end cost of this roster moving forward. That's something that they're going to have to, you know, start. You're going to have to get a lot more, uh, you know, hits and the light end and you'd be, yeah, you just gonna have to for surely dude girly let's take a little bit of a look ahead at the week seven opponent the atlanta falcons there i don't i don't know that there's many teams that i feel worse for some teams are bad but they knew they were going to be bad they set themselves up to be bad some teams have taken a couple stumbles the atlanta falcons 2019 sin has been one big stumble it's not good and i don't know that it's getting better and i think they know that and they feel quite horrible about it but you know what joe do you know when the Atlanta Falcons have not stumbled, when they've actually played really great? The first halves of Super Bowls. <sighs> Ouch. I was actually going to say that a couple of seasons ago, when they, when they, play the they played against a great school offense, and they played so well that they got Jeff Fisher fired. Then, uh, possibly a year later mm-hmm. in the playoffs, the Rams played them in the uh, first round of the wild card playoffs. And I mean, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I don't think it had a happy ending. So it, we haven't had a large sample size, but maybe the Falcons have our number. Were, were a few gentlemen at that Atlanta Falcon playoff game? Were a few guys on this podcast at that we game? We were all there. 100% podcast representation. Yeah, we, we were all there. We were all there. Yeah, that... That wasn't was that the last Rams yeah, game? That's a good that point, Joey. Attended? That Rubba, was that the last time? Was that when you decided that there was a curse? No. Oh, he had the Philly special. No, no, no. no. Oh. I went, I went Philly yeah. last year. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. I went to Philly that year. I went to the playoff game that year, and I went to Philly the following year. Yes, we're breaking it. We're breaking the curse. And I was actually at, I was at the Atlanta game when they got Jeff Fisher fired as well. So I've, I've, I've completed the circle here. We're breaking the oh. curse, Rubba. It's going to happen. Um, I think the thing that I'm most interested about, we can get into the preview on another night, but um, I, I, th- I think what's most interesting to me here is the pressure that the Rams are under. I tweeted it out earlier that these next two games are kind of like the Jalen Ramsey trade. There's no wiggle room for anything other than excellence. They've they've got to come out. If, if they don't win this game comfortably, if the offense doesn't crank, if the defense doesn't look good, it's only going to validate the concerns for a team that's already three and three. I, po- I posted this piece. I don't know if you guys read it. The Rams have 10 games. They got five games against teams that have two or less wins, all of whom had one win or less going into week six. And they got five games against teams that have three or more wins. Th- that's kind of the setup for the rest of the season. If they win, 
the five games from the one win two teams, which is not something we should assume at this point. But they do. That's five more wins. They're three and three. That's eight and three. So to get to 10 and six and likely make the playoffs, you'd have to win two out of five from the other ones. But that means you've got to win these games. You've got to beat the Atlantas and the Arizonas and the Cincinnatis. You've got to handle this business over these next couple weeks. There's no room for error. That's what, that's what wide right does to you. And, and, and Joey, this is where it's good to have you back. There's no room for error for Jared Goff. This, these are the kinds of games where the system quarterback has to take hold of the system and dominate mm-hmm. these games. There's no re- – and the thing is, these are the games that he's done that in the past. If you go back the last two years when we've played bad teams, those are the games that we're winning 34 to you know 10 or whatever. We're dominating those games. He's got to get those kind of performances over these next two weeks before we come out of the bye. Yes, he does. But also that article that you wrote about the other day about the identity of the team I found really interesting because it really feels like Coach McVay has this I don't know if it's like an like an awkward touch with the identity, but it feels like You remember that song the, I need a man with an awkward touch. Awkward touch. He likes to run the ball a little too much. <laughs> but at the beginning of the game Last week, I mean, he just runs Malcolm Brown, and you're like, okay, fine. But then what happens in the second half is the train runs off the track, and he gets into old habits. It it doesn't feel like there's consistency with the identity. There's and none. None, and that's the most infuriating thing about this offense, and I don't feel like I'm as frustrated with Jared Goff as I am about the play calling. And maybe there's a reason behind the madness, but it just kind of feels like I would be okay if we did a bunch of three and outs where it was two run plays and then you pass on third down. And I feel like they're not, they're just, most of the time, they're just throwing the ball three times in a row and then they're boom, three and out. And I just kind of feel like, yes, I know you do. We don't got Todd Gurley right now, but all Rams fans seem to have faith in the other guys that we have at running back with Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, and for some weird reason, I got faith in John Kelly. I want to see that guy run. I'm still thinking about the preseason two years ago. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe Sean McVay knows best. And the reason why Jared Goff looked so good the past couple of seasons is because Todd Gurley was playing great. And you remove that from the equation, and Jared Goff looks really ordinary. Maybe that's the illusion that I was under. Maybe I, I, I stand Jared Goff so hard because I was fooled into thinking that it wasn't all about Todd Gurley, but it, you know it was about Jared Goff. And maybe the truth is that Todd Gurley was much more valuable than I thought. I'd say you, Rama. I, I, I think it's, I think it gets back to the offensive line. Uh, oh, is, it, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a terrible thing for you think. I think it could be. I, I'm, I'll play the optimist, but I, I think I've got a, I've got an opposite take. Yeah, I'm looking at the 32nd out of 75 ranked offensive tackle is Andrew Whitworth. He's your best offensive lineman right now. Uh, you got Jamel Demby, 76 out of 77 guards. Brian Allen, 31 out of 30. Wait, 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 wait. Jamil Denby's not last? Uh, no, unfortunately, according to PFF, who, someone who's worse. We need, we need tertiary radio research crew <laughs> to get on this. Who in the world? I'm uh, shocked. I'm flabbergasted. Austin Blythe is 72nd out of 70, 77. 
And Rob Havenstein is 74 out of 75. The guy you just extended is second to last. Next to last. He's been getting worked, though, man. He's he's bad. If you put Tom Brady in this offense, he's going to get murdered. I mean, people are killing Goff because he's a quarterback, and that's Probably. that's his job as a quarterback to take those bullets. But we've all seen it. Um, he's hitting that five-step drop, and there are people on him. He, I mean, yeah. Evan Silva's tweeting out tonight about how you know Goff doesn't perform mm-hmm. under pressure. No one underperforms under that kind of pressure. There's nowhere to step. Sure. There is not one guy who's playing well right now, and it's just it's it's just house of cards. And so, sure, yeah, Todd Gurley is not as effective, but as part of the reason Todd Gurley or the running game is not as effective, and Jared Goff isn't as effective, is because they're not working up front like they were. Yeah, uh, and they're also they're they're not running eleven personnel, which is their staple, right? They're doing a lot of a lot of uh, twelve these days. You're not getting the jet sweep. You're not getting you're not getting the play action game. I mean, it's all kind of. It's all falling apart on them from what they've done in the last two years, and now they're having to adjust, and McVay is having to adjust on the fly, and we're seeing struggles. It's not to mean he can't do it and they won't do it, uh, but they've had to do it against good teams. Perhaps now that they've got the soft part of the schedule, he'll miraculously become a good coach again. Oh, God, you know he's struggling, whatever. Well, they're playing good teams and they're struggling against good defenses. Now that they're playing soft part of the schedule, maybe you know he becomes magic yeah. again. And it's funny how that works when you play bad teams; and you you improve. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see. These next these next two weeks are going to tell us a lot. It's it's either going to be hey things aren't as bad as we thought, or oh god, this is this is the Titanic. Yep. Three three reasons for optimism on the offensive line. Number one, they've been really 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 bad, and maybe nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Right, that's how these things. They, they haven't been this bad all year. Come if if you look this last game, I give them an F on the report card. That's the first F they've gotten all year. Right, they had one other really bad game that was Week Four against Tampa Bay. Joey, I think you gave them a D minus. Other than that, they haven't gotten in the D range from our report card. They haven't been great, but they've been in the C range. They got a B range grade one game. That's not horrible. That's good enough and no surprise. In those four games that they got above a D, we went three and one, and the only loss was the Seattle game that we lost by a couple inches on a Greg Zerline kick. So we, we've been competitive enough in games where they've been adequate. I think they just need to get back to adequate. They've been really bad, so there's reason to think they will. That's number one. Number two, the most disappointing part, even though they've been worse on the interior, hasn't been the young interior guys. The most disappointing part has been Whitworth and Havenstein. We know they're not this bad. They've, for whatever reason, They've struggled. There's reason to believe they're going to get back to something close to their normal selves, even if Whitworth is getting older, even if his play is declining. He should get some kind of a rebound. Same for Havenstein. Number three is we got a lot of new guys. They got, you know, Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen, Jamil Demby, Austin Blythe. I think it's understandable that just like Roger Saffold a decade ago, it's going to take some time for these guys to acclimate to the league. And in Saffold's case, it took a couple years. Remember his first couple years? What was the tag on him? A, he was injury. He was injury wrecked. And B, he wasn't that good. Oh, penalties. Now, yeah, yeah and penalties. penalties now, now he was moved all over the line. I think he played every position but center. But that's kind of what we're looking at. That was a young guy who had to acclimate to the league. By the time he got into the, you know, his second contract, he was maybe our better blocker outside of An- Andrew Whitworth, right? So the the fact that, you know, Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen, now that Noteboom's gone, maybe is the centerpiece of this, although we'll have to see what Demby and Corbett and Blythe, how that kind of works out. 
there's reason to think that they could need some tutelage and get better in October than they were in September and get better in November than they were in October and get better in December than they were in November. I think there's a lot to be. The, the easiest reason to buy into the offensive line is there's a good chance this is the worst they'll look all year. And that moving forward, whether it's against Atlanta, Cincinnati, or against the kind of teams we played when we started up 3-0, and against a Carolina front, that's not bad. Against a Seattle front, that's not bad. The offensive line did okay. The team did okay. And we got out of those games with three wins. Is it possible to get better when you're playing the 32nd and 31st ranked defenses back-to-back weeks? I will say this. This is the point. They have to. There's no wiggle room. They have to get better, right? They can't just yeah. They can't just be like, well, we got a D-plus today. These are the games where you've got to look right because it's all on the line. And also, let's just – I don't want to throw too much praise at a division rival, but the San Francisco 49ers oh, throw the probably have the – they awesome. have the best defense in the NFL right now. I mean, the they, New England Patriots also have an excellent defense, but if you look at football outsiders, the DVOA, they yep. they have the 49ers as the number one team. It's and easy to see we why. thought that we were and we were playing a lot of a lot of really solid defenses to start off the season, right? And we mm-hmm. won against the Carolina Panthers and the New, the New Orleans Saints. But those guys I think are ranked, you know, 12, 13, 14. But the 49ers, I mean, we talk about such an embarrassment to that, that game and how we just got rolled, but it's very similar to the Super Bowl where you've got these top-tier defenses and you see how we play against them. And then now we're going to go back to playing the dreck of, of the defenses. And it's going to be different. It's going to be night and day. And you hope that the switch gets turned on and that offense just just wrecks them and we get some hope again because right now i mean it's it's not that enjoyable to be a Rams fan And to be honest, they tasted like lobster rolls. <laughs> Snappity snap snap. But the best thing I, I, I ate there was um was this pussy. No, I, I went to this uh, this place called uh, <laughs> that famous Cape Cod pussy. Cape Cod. Please tell me that makes the Easter egg. <laughs>